Hail, hail and welcome to the Celtic View podcast, a brand new broadcast from the official magazine of the Scottish Champions. Every week we'll bring you exclusive player interviews, Celtic chat, fan features and the latest news from Celtic Park, all in the company of the Celtic View team. Coming up in this episode, we've got interviews with Scott Brown and Callum McGregor, the Celtic View team reflect on the training camp in Slovenia and look forward to the season ahead. We chat to a Celtic fan about his love of the hoops and we've got a Celtic View roundup, including news of some great ticket competitions. Celtic View reporter Mark Henderson recently sat down for a chat with Scott Brown and we'll hear from the captain shortly. But first up, Martin Dale caught up with Callum McGregor out in Slovenia and asked him about the team spirit in the squad. This is a Celtic View podcast. You're listening to the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. How big is it to have that kind of team unity and team enthusiasm going into a new season? Yeah, it's massive. Um, you know, team spirits is huge in in the modern game that you you have everybody fighting for each other and everybody willing to run for each other and, and work hard. So, I think that's what we're aiming to do over here for the next two weeks is, is get the, the team bonded and get as many training sessions, as many games in as we can and that way we, we start to understand what everybody's about and, and what we want for each other. Do you think it was something that was perhaps missing a wee bit from, from last year or just, or just wasn't as prominent as it is just now because of the new changes? Yeah, I think uh, just obviously the new changes and, and it's, it's fresh, obviously it's a new season so it's, it's fresh in everybody's mind that we're really striving to go and, and do better this year. Um, I think the team spirit was good last year as well, but I think just now with the sort of change in, in regime and, and things like that, then it's always fresh in everybody's mind that they want to go and do well and, and kind of stick together as a unit. I mean, you talk about that, the unity of the team, and obviously there's competition for places just now because it's a new manager, he says everyone gets a fresh start. That seems to have brought the squad even closer together, you know, where like just everyone's really keen to impress. Yeah, of course. Um, we always see that when new managers coming in. It's, it's a sort of fresh start for everybody. And I don't think it's any different this time. And I know the manager said it, so it sort of gives boys a boost that maybe haven't, haven't played as much or was kind of the plans last year. Then it gives them a sort of fresh impetus to go and, and do well and, and try and get in the team. So, as you say, there's, there's competition for places and, and ultimately that drives the standard of everything up. Professionalism, the, the training, everything like that goes up a level, so it's, it's great for everybody. So, like, a fair bit of uh, positional flexibility from yourself last season. You know, when you first started, you played in the wings, but you played in attack. You also played, you know, defensive roles. Then that's going to be a benefit for you under Brendan Rodgers. You know, you, you're so diverse and versatile the way you can play. Yeah, I think so. Um, as you say, I've sort of played a lot of positions uh, since I've come into the team, and uh, I think that can all be a help as well. That if anybody's injured or things like that, then I can slot into different positions. I can play different areas in the pitch. Then. I can sort of adapt my game to, to, to go and play there, so mm. hopefully that will help me. You, I assume you'll want to be a stick-on first-team player, you know, like getting in the starting eleven every week? Yeah, I hope so. Um, just obviously come in and, and try and impress the managers as much as I can. And, yeah, that's my aim, to, to go and be sort of on the team sheet every week and, and do well and, and help the club and help the boys. How do you achieve that? Is it attitude, training ground performances, pre-season games? Yeah, I think it's just a combination of everything, as you said there. So doing well in the games, doing well in training, showing a good example, showing good attitude. Um, so I think that's all the things that the manager will be looking for. So hopefully I can, I can go and show them that. What are you looking for for next season? And what's your kind of your goals going into this this new campaign? Yeah, just as you say, there, just to try and be in the team as as much as I can, do well, 
so I put in good performances like I did last year and, and obviously build on that and get better as a player and, and learn from the manager. Obviously, he's got a massive amount of experience, so to try and learn off of that would be unbelievable for me. What about the prospect of playing in front of a packed Celtic Park almost every week? I mean, we know season tickets have been flying out the door. There's a new rail seating section which could radically change the atmosphere in the stadium. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's, everything's, everything's positive. Uh, since the manager signed, as you say, the season ticket sales have went up and with the new standing section, it could even bring an even better atmosphere. It's it's already unbelievable as it is. And as you say, it'll pretty much be full now every week. And, uh, really looking forward to that as a player that's the kind of environment that you, you want to play in so for me it's exciting it's exciting times I mean, You've tasted it the kind of Champions League qualifiers the Europa League matches big league games the, I can only assume the players take a bounce from it when the stadium's bouncing Yeah 100% um, as I say that's the kind of atmosphere that players like us want to play in they thrive under that atmosphere so if we can get that every single week then Celtic Park will be a, a tough place for teams to come and and hopefully we can we can get playing the way the manager wants us to play and, and really go and entertain the fans. Brilliant. Just one final bit. I mean, we're sitting here in Maribor, uh, which two years ago was the start of your fantastic run, or it was part of your fantastic run after being in Iceland. What's your thoughts of being back, same hotel, same place? That's good. Uh, it's, it's, it's a nice feeling that you, you know, you can, I came, a couple of years ago you came here and sort of set the tone for what's been... It's sort of part of my Celtic career. It's it's a nice feeling to come back and know that you've you've kind of did well from the last time you were here. So, uh, just try and build on that again. How much has Callum McGregor changed in that two-year period? Yeah, I think a lot. Uh, I think I've learned a lot in terms of the, the football stuff and that as well. It's I say always trying to grow as a player. And when you think back a couple of years ago and you think how far you've came for there, it's it's a nice feeling as well to to know that you you've you've learned that you've got it in the bank. You've you've played so many games. You've, You've scored some important goals in that as well. So, um, and as I say, it's a fresh challenge with the new managers coming in. Hopefully, you can do well again out here. I take it that attitude doesn't change because there is a new manager. It's just the same again. Try to constantly develop and improve. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's what you want to do as a as a football player. You're never too old to learn that, or too young to to think that you, you don't need to learn or whatever. Um, for me, it's it's always been the same. Whenever a new manager comes in and. You just gotta go back to square one and, and do the same things as you did the last time to to try and impress and I don't think that'll be any different for, for any other player that everybody's just gonna do well, get their head down, work hard and, and see where it takes them. Cool. Final final wee bit. Um I know it is obviously still early days, but how far do you think this team can go under Brendan Rogers once it everything starts to take shape? Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's early days, but even as I said earlier on, it's like even in a week you can see the sort of improvement, the, the way that the manager wants to work. He's got some really good ideas. He's tactically very aware as well. So if, if he can sort of bring that to to the boys, then it's there's sort of no end to where we can go really because we've, we've got good players here, and this manager can only come in and benefit that and, and complement it. So I think if everybody gets on board and, and they go with them, then we can we can really go and achieve something something good. Right. Well, cheers for your time, Carl. Thanks very much. No problem. Cheers. cheers. So that was Callum McGregor there speaking to the Celtic View for the first time this season and I'm joined now by Lethal Nemi, Celtic's social media officer who's been with us in Slovenia for the, the two-week pre-season training camp. 
Leith, you've spoken to Calm a number of times while we've been out here. Um, what's the kind of vibe you're getting from him after listening to that interview? I think he seems extremely positive. I think his time so far at the camp has been encouraging, not just for the, the club, but, you know, as a whole, uh, personal development-wise, I think he's he's looking to go that one step further mm -hmm. under the new manager and under the new coaching staff here. Um, and yeah, he's he's really focused. I think in all his in all his work, and this season could be the start of something special for him. Yeah, I mean, he talked about the at the start of that interview how last season he sort of finished on a high. You know, he was playing regularly in the team, and he played an influential role in the capture of five in a row. Do you think that's maybe going to give him a confidence boost heading into the new season under new management? Yeah, I do. I do. I think his goal at against Ajax at Celtic Park would have helped massively. I think that was a, a huge goal and a huge moment for his career. His first Celtic Park was goal his as well. first Celtic mm. Park goal, yeah. And he has scored in Europe a, a few times. Yep. Um, so he scored in the Champions League qualifiers uh, two games in a row, or three games, games in a row, even in, a row in his was. first season. So. Yep, which was a difficult you know, qualification campaign for us. But as well as that, he scored in his first team debut. Um, in the sorry in the Scottish Premiership so mm -hmm. when it comes to the big games I think Calm does produce yep. so this season we're all hoping that under Brendan Rodgers um, you know with player to player management skills really high within all the coaching staff here it could really help Calm we've seen Calm in action uh, throughout pre-season here and he certainly seems to have retained the enthusiasm that he showed at the at the end of the season. One of the aspects that he discussed in the interview was about uh, his kind of tactical versatility. And even during pre-season, he ended up playing at left-back in one of the games, I think, as well, against Celia for a couple of minutes. 65 appearances just now. Do you think he could break 100 this season? It's a big ask. It's, <laughs> it's a big ask, but um, I, don't see, I don't see why not. If he stays fit, he, he'll have a big chance in playing more than 100 appearances. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think now it will be interesting to see who the manager brings in mm -hmm. because that will that'll affect the team and you know there'll be more competition for places. But Callum has the ability, as as we all know, to to just you know cement his place in the team. Brilliant. Yep. Do you think if more midfielders come into the club, then it will affect Callum, or do you think his place you know is Secured. I mean, it's that thing, an increase in numbers in any position automatically limits, well, should potentially limit the playing time for everybody who's in that group. But we've seen over the past two years, everyone that Callum McGregor has competed with for a place and, you know, just over 20 appearances each season proves that over the course of the season, he can, you know, hold down a place. So... You know, the manager's talked about bringing in quality as well, rather than quantity. And I tend to think, when you look at Celtic, bringing in quality tends to bring out the quality of the players already there. And I definitely think Callum McGregor is the type of guy that can rise to a challenge. You know, he got sent away on loan after coming out of uh, the academy, rose to that challenge, came back as soon as he got a sniff for Celtic under Ronnie Dyla, scoring goals away from home in big matches. Uh, it was only only injury that curtailed him really for me in his first season. Um, and then he's just grown 
gained more experience and a really strong end to the season last year. And as you say, that huge goal against Ajax for him, his first one at Celtic Park, still talks about it, still remembers it, and I'm sure he'll be looking for many more this season. This is a Celtic View podcast. You're listening to the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. The Celtic View is back for the new season and looking forward to bringing you all the news in Brendan Rodgers' first season at the club. We've got an exclusive interview with the Celtic manager as he looks ahead to the team's first competitive game, while you can also read the full interviews with Scott Brown and Callum McGregor. Fellow first team Celt Ryan Christie is the first to take part in a new home and away feature, so you can find out where he's from, what his favourite holiday destination is and what his favourite away ground is. Celtic legend Lubo Moravchik is answering questions sent in by fans to the Celtic View's Twitter feed, at Celtic View. And in this, the 50th anniversary season of the incredible 1966-67 campaign, we begin the story of Lisbon, looking back at what was in the Celtic View in 1966. This week's Celtic View also features some great competitions. There's a chance to win the new Celtic black and gold away kit, where we've got tickets up for grabs for this weekend's game against Wolfsburg. Brendan Rodgers' first game at Paradise and our UEFA Champions League qualifier next week when the league flag will also be raised in celebration of last season's five-in-a-row success. All this in a new kids section, a profile of new boy Moussa Dembele and a feature in the new look Ironbrew Cup which will feature Celtic's under-20 side. The Celtic View is the voice of the champions and it's on sale from Wednesday, July the 13th. Now here's a chance to hear some of Scott Brown's exclusive interview with Mark Henderson. You've been out here staying for nearly two weeks now. Can you just give us an idea what it's been like staying out in the, the, the team hotel and Maribor and this, the, how the, the pre-season's gone so far? Uh, start with pre-season. Pre-season's been good. It's been hard. It's been double sessions. We've been um, training at 10 for two hours, come back, have a bit of lunch, uh, go to your rooms, chill out around about the, well, the hotel and stuff like that, and then uh, back out to training at half past four. And uh, The sessions have been good. They've been hard, but uh, we need to to try and get as fit as possible uh, as soon as we knew the Champions League qualifier was coming a couple of weeks after coming back to pre-season the gaffer knew what he had to do and uh, he's very well organised that way uh, he's, <laughs> uh, he's got everything sorted the training, what we're doing day to day what we're doing in the hotel, singles doubles, how far you can push your body so uh, it's been good it's been great learning from him as well and is it good to, I mean, you press a lot of importance in this pre-season part of the, the campaign. Uh, not only do you get the fitness, but you get that camaraderie and unity amongst the squad as well. It's a chance to do that. Yeah, that's huge. I think uh, last season we kind of missed that. Uh, we went to St Andrews for a day, two days, and it's not the same getting stuck with your teammates for uh, 10, 12 days. And uh, I'm not going to say you're going to love everybody, but uh, it's, it's a team you need to get on with everybody on and off the field, and there's no better place to do it than getting stuck in a, a hotel together and uh, sitting, having dinners, having lunches, and just chatting away with each other and uh, having different roommates for a few people we've had before. And, uh, Talking about roommates, Scott Allen's been uh, <laughs> your roommate in, in, over, over here in Slovenia. How have you got on with him? No, I got on with brilliant with Scotty. Yeah. Uh, same as I've got the same mentality. Um, <laughs> we've got a lot of energy as well and chill out round about the pool, chill out in the hotel. We've been watching a few box series and stuff like that, which has been quite good, but we've also been having a lot of banter. And I think um, 
it's it's a place for that as well. And the gaffer knows you. It can't be twenty four seven working and just thinking about football. You need to have a laugh and a joke off the field. But as soon as you get across that white line, it's quite strict. You've got to listen to the gaffer, do what he says, and uh, hopefully produce in the field. And uh, you know, like a, a, a squad is get that togetherness is well is, is far more capable of achieving success over a over a season. Yeah, I think for me, you look at Leicester last season. Uh, everyone probably thought they would be relegation battles and struggle to stay in the league, but uh, they went on, won the English Premier League, all due to them being one of the best teams, working hard for each other, covering for their mates. But on and off the party, seen them the day they won the league. Uh, I think Tottenham were playing away, and they were all. Watching it in Jamie Vardy's house and everyone together, their, their wives, their kids, and uh, just sitting hoping that <laughs> Tottenham weren't going to get that result. And I think that's maybe what we've been lacking the last few years, but the gaffers are uh, huge on that, bringing families together, bringing, going out for dinners, doing stuff together as a team, so you get that bond on and off the field, so you want that a little bit extra for your, uh, your teammate. And uh, does that latest example, does that sort of give the show that you know anything can be achieved? Does it, it gives it gives hope to every team in football that, you know, no matter the odds that you know, anything can be accomplished in the game? Yeah, I think so. If you're willing to uh, work hard for each other and do it properly on and off the field, I think uh, it's huge and uh, we've got a great bunch of lads here. But I think uh, we brought a lot of faces in last season, we had a huge squad and I think it was hard to get to know everybody off the field because you're sitting about there talking to 30 different people. It's OK when you're in a small change room and then you're sitting having a bit of banter and then you're in the field and then people are leaving at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock and you're not seeing them to the next day. So uh, it's good that we're all stuck in this hotel together. And I, I know you've got your friends and folk have got best friends here and that, but uh, it's good just to sit and chat to other people as well. So uh, the manager talked a little bit about him, Scott. Um, can you give us sort of a an insight to what he's like as a, as a character and and how he how he deals with the players? Yeah, he's got a lot of time to speak to anyone individually. I'll take them aside and tell them what he thinks. He talks very very honest and very straight, and I think that's why he's a good manager. And uh, he doesn't fall out with people and rant and rave over uh, little things and stuff like that. So. He sits back, he relaxes, he always thinks about it and training's been always thought about, it's not been the same things two days in a row and uh, you just keep hitting you in the head, here you go, here you go, this is what's happening day in, day out, but he's very well organised and you go from one training thing to the next, for the warm-up, straight into the passing, to possession and it's already organised so you're not having to stop for ten minutes, wait for the manager and the coaching staff to set up and then bringing in goals and then you're getting that recovery time which does help the players but uh, we're getting that limited recovery time so you're straight back in it and you don't get 10 minutes recovery in a game so it's, it's been good that way that you've been straight in working for an hour and a half to two hours and it's been all ball work all running all football so it's been hard but it's definitely been good for everyone's legs. And on a personal note, Scott, into your 10th season as a Celtic player, which is a <laughs> remarkable achievement. Um, so what are you, what, what's your big incentive? What, what, what's motivating you most for the coming campaign? I think just getting the crowds back at uh, Celtic Park. and It was hard last season. We, we let ourselves down, I think, individually and as a team. And uh, this year we've got a new manager in. Everyone's got a fresh slate now. And it's uh, go and prove yourself that you're good enough to play in this team to play to wear that jersey to play in front of 60,000 fans and not get scared and do your things that you do in the training ground 
is it um, is it tough when as you say it's a clean slate and everyone's trying vying for a place in that team but do you still manage to keep the, the friendships and the, the camaraderie even though you're all trying to stake a claim for a place in the season yeah that's the thing that's what you need to do and if you're not playing if you're in the on the bench or if you're not on the bench you, you know you need to work harder than whoever's playing whether it's in the gym it's out in the field it's away sitting whatever you're doing maybe your diet or whatever it is but uh, you, you know the gaffer will talk to you sit you down he says his door's always open and, and he's a manager that always means that he'll always sit down and he's always got time for anybody so it's good to have that somebody to talk to as well but you can all certainly sense that excitement uh, amongst the supporters and the players they can sense that as well it's yeah you, you find it on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that and people walking along the streets as well and they're like oh we can't believe we've got Brendan to be fair I still can't believe we've got him as well so <laughs> no it, it's, it's, it's great that the gaffer's here and uh, the work that he's doing on and off the field and uh, he's been looking forward to it as well and it's a, a club he supported when he was younger so it means a lot to him So the immediate challenge now, Scott, will be the Champions League it's always tough in this early juncture of the campaign you know, we're early in our pre-season we might be playing teams that are in the midst of their season so, you know, how vital is it we get through this and, and reach that Champions League again because I, I guess it means everything to you and the players as well yeah, we know now that I've had probably what three months off now, and uh, I'm playing catch up with all the lads, and I've missed some of the pre-season here as well. But uh, I've been working as hard as anybody, and I feel inside me just as fit as I have been. But it's that match sharpness that you need to get. You need that two or three yards to, to press, to tackle, and the gaffer's huge on pressing high up the park, and uh, it's kind of my game as well. So hopefully we can continue that. We work well as a group, but. Uh, as you say, it's always hard no matter who you play. Some teams are four or five months in front of you in the season and that four or five months is huge, but it's about your ability on the ball and teams coming to Celtic Park and if they can deal with real with the pressure. And uh, you're feeling uh, a lot better then after you, you know you had a you had a sort of serious injury towards the end of last season, but now you're feeling raring to go for the new season. Yeah, new season, new start, uh, legs and body feeling back to normality. So no, that would be good. That would be good for me to show the gap of what I can do as well. So just finally, Scott, um, could you just give us a kind of a, a message for the supporters then um, going forward over the next twelve months? There's always going to be highs and lows. It's about once you hit those lows. How, how quickly we can bounce back and we need to do it together as teams, as fans, as what to do for best is for Celtic and I think that's what everyone has to remember. We, we do as well as we possibly can and use help us out so much. Well, thanks very much, Scott, for speaking to us and all the very best for your 10th season as a Celtic player. Cheers, pal. Bye-bye. Really positive stuff there from the Celtic skipper. And I'm joined here by Summer Harrell, Celtic TV presenter and producer, who of course has spoken to Scott many a time over the course of the campaign and of course over in Slovenia during the pre-season tour. So Summer, uh, what did you make of what the Celtic skipper had to say there? Well, it's always good to hear from Bruni, isn't it? You know, um, he's always full of great insights and he's always up for a good chat as well so it was good to hear from him and uh, yeah he echoed quite I think a lot of the team's thoughts um, from the trip in Slovenia so it was nice to hear that he's you know on the same page as the management staff and all of the players that we spoke to because we tried to get as many catch-ups as we could and they all seem to be saying the same thing you know they really enjoyed training they're very enthusiastic about the new regime and uh, yeah it was a good bonding session above all as well. 
I thought it was very interesting what Scott said about Leicester City summer, you know, how they defied the odds really to 5,000 to, to, to win the Premier League title. They went all the way and he based that on a real unity and togetherness and he was stressing the importance of that and how vital it is that the players out here are isolated, can really bond and build those bridges for the rest of the campaign. Yeah, he's massive on that. And I think so's the manager too. Well, that's what Bruni said um, in that interview. And yeah, the comparison with Leicester is obviously a good one. Like you said, they were completely against the odds. You know, not even an underdog. They, you know, there really wasn't um, a chance that they would win the Premier League in the, in the style that they did. But it was clear, you know, from anyone that, that watched, anyone that knows the game, anyone that saw what Leicester did, that they did it through being so together, you know, as a team. They were good friends on and off the pitch. They supported each other. They Their families came together. They really, really rallied, you know, in order to win the title, and they did it. Um, so seeing a team, you know, like that achieve something in such a way, you can only look at that and think, hey, you know, they may be onto something there. And Bruni knows that, you know. He's very, very sociable. He's at the centre of, you know everything that happens, uh, especially when, when away on a pre-season tour in a hotel, which you are almost confined to, you know, for the majority of the time. Um, they're under a very kind of strict schedule, you know, um, we would have a schedule on the, on the board in the dining room every day, and, and, you know, it was stuck to, you know, if you don't stick to it, you get fined. So, <laughs> you know, they there's very little to do in and around the hotel apart from spend time together. Um, and yeah, he's huge on that. So he said that last year, you know, they didn't go away. They had a couple of days at St Andrews and they really missed that, that invaluable time to spend together and really get to know one another. And, you know, we saw ourselves, didn't we, that, that friendships were made, bonds were formed. And I think if that's the spirit, if that's the atmosphere, then that can only translate to good things on the pitch. And uh, Scott obviously roomed with the other Scott, Scotty Allen, yes. on this on this trip. How and could we forget? <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, he said they'd been very chilled out and been perfect neighbours <laughs> to their close roommates. Now, I don't know if that's the case. I'm a little bit suspicious somewhere. I don't know what you've Hey, well, listen, heard. I stayed on the floor below and I could hear um, that they were up to all sorts. But, you know, they're a great bunch uh, of boys. They all are. Um, they're all obviously very different. But the two Scots seem to have quite a lot in common. The same energy levels is what Bruni uh, had described it and I spoke to them both about rooming with each other and yeah they they you know they get on very very well together and having a laugh and uh, what Bruni said you know the manager expects them to to you know be able to have a laugh and to relax and enjoy themselves because it's as much about that as it is you know the training as well but he said everyone's aware of the fact and they're very respectful of the fact that when you cross that white line that's kind of where you know the banter and the, the laughs end and they put their football heads on and we see them do that you know um they're very professional and and they can they know when to kind of switch it on and off but yeah of course the two scots were were very entertaining on pre-season yeah we'll leave it at that summer <laughs> i think that's that's a safe way of putting it um now scott himself uh, this is a, a real personal uh, he's got a real reasons for personal achievement this yeah. season he's now heading into his 10th season we'll as a Celtic a player <laughs> yeah, yeah which is remarkable to think it and is. I think you know Scott's still surprised himself when he thinks about that fact it really is incredible I think the last Celtic player to to achieve such a feat was Jackie McNamara wow. which just shows how you know rare it, it is in the modern game it is so um, you know he's got his own personal ambitions for this campaign now, I, th- I mean about all the things that's really exciting him and motivating him for the new season is the thought of playing in front of a packed Celtic mm-hmm. Park again, back to when he first played for the club, when he could be guaranteed at least 50,000 every week. Now, I think that's not going to only excite him, it's going to excite all the rest of the players, because he is the only one that's really sampled that before. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's huge, of course. It's a massive incentive. I mean, I was there when Craig Gordon visited the ticket office on the day that the tickets first went on, the season tickets went on general release. You know, and I spoke to him then and he was like, I think he said the word exciting about six times in one sentence because it really, really is. You know, you can't help but feel that way when you're there and you're amongst it. And uh, it means so much to the players, you know, that the fans come in their numbers. And they are very excited, you know. They get to hear about these things. They know that there was a queue at the ticket office. They know people were there from very early hours of the morning. And they know that, you know, it's going to be very, very busy this season. So, yeah, it's exciting for us. It's exciting for them. And I think it's a really, really good time for, for everyone at the club just now. And just to, to sum up as well, uh, Summer, um, obviously Scott spoke very highly of Brendan Rodgers yes. there, how meticulous, how well organised he is, but also a very uh, approachable person, he's got a real humility about him as well. Now, it all, all goes well for the rest of the season. Have you found the, the sort of same sentiments amongst the squad as well when you've spoken to the oh, players? Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think Brendan's huge, huge on inclusion. You know, everyone gets a chance under Brendan, and that's what Bruni kind of echoed. And it's really refreshing, you know. It's so nice to see um, everyone's treated the same, you know, whether you're some of the young boys. You've got players like Jamie Lindsay who are here, um, Jamie McCart, of course, Anthony Ralston, all on their first kind of pre-season with the, with the first team. Um, and they're treated the same as, as everyone else, you know, which is really, really refreshing and nice. Um, Brendan believes, you know, that if you're good enough, you're old enough. I, I spoke to him about that in one of my post-match interviews, and he's always shown that in in his managed managerial career that you know age is merely a number, and and he will, you know, not take that into account when selecting a team, which is great. So yeah, absolutely, you know, it's been really really nice to see everyone involved uh, in equal kind of levels, and also he's included us in in a lot of things as well. There was a a team meal, and which we, we didn't expect to kind of be involved in, but he you know he insisted that we came and joined in. It's it's everyone at the club, from the kitmen to the, the chef, you know, anyone that travelled on that um, pre-season tour, you, you were part of Celtic and it's actually, it's really, really nice. So it filters through, you know, from all levels of the club and it's just a very nice atmosphere um, and it's a nice place to be around just now. So a real message of positivity, unity and togetherness at Celtic Summer. Thanks very much for joining us and uh, really interesting stuff about Scott as well. Thanks, Mark. This is a Celtic View podcast. You're listening to the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. This is the Celtic View podcast. I'm Paul Cuddihy, editor of the Celtic View, and welcome to this section of the podcast that we've imaginatively titled Celtic Celtic. That's a team for me. Joining me this week is writer and publisher Martin Gregg, who co-founded Backpage Press. The company claimed to publish world-class sports books and their track record so far has shown they've been as good as their word. Many Celtic fans will be familiar with one of their publications, the superb biography of Celtic legend Sean Fallon, written by former Celtic View journalist Stephen Sullivan. Martin's also written two highly acclaimed books, The Zen of Naka, a fascinating study of Shunsuke Nakamura, and The Road to Lisbon, a brilliant football novel set in 1967 when Celtic won the European Cup, which he co-wrote with Charles McGarry. Martin, thanks for joining us on the Celtic View podcast. The first thing I wanted to ask you today was, what's your earliest memory of Celtic? Yeah, I was I was thinking about this last night, and I don't think this is perhaps my earliest memory, but it's probably the most evocative one from my early years, and it was um, the Davy Proven testimonial, November 1987. Um and it was definitely my first game under the floodlights. Uh, I remember that much. Um, it was a cold winter's night. Um, it was against Nottingham Forest. And I think that was part of the reason that my dad was keen to take me along because he's, he's a great football lover. Uh, and that was a great team. Uh, it was it was Brian Clough, obviously. Um, his son Nigel was in the team. 
you had Stuart Pearce, um, Neil Webb, um, it was uh, Des Walker was another great name, and they were they were at the, the real top of the the English game at that time. So, so I think he was keen for me to see those players in action as well, um, and I, probably the the best memory is walking up to the the game and seeing the the floodlights, and it was like it was like the um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you know, the spaceship just yeah. sitting there. It was incredible. Uh, I remember walking out and then just seeing the, the grass for the first time and it was almost like fluorescent. Um, it was it was mind-blowing, actually. Um, so that was really interesting, but it was it was a great game. Um, Forest 1-3-1, really played Celtic off the park um, until uh, King Kenny came on. Uh, he came on as a, a substitute and Forest were, were, were taking the game incredibly seriously. Um, and really uh, outplaying Celtic, but suddenly Doug Leish came on and the game changed. He started playing little balls around the corner, he was getting them turned, um, and, and suddenly Celtic looked like the superior team. So it was amazing to see uh, that quality of opposition, but uh, also a great um, Celtic hero. Um, just, just to give you an indication of how seriously um, Forrest took the game, apparently um, at the coin toss, um, I think... Um, Davy Proven like won the toss right, and he wanted to. Maybe he was playing in the first half, and he wanted to play uh, on the side of the jungle. Yeah. Um, or actually, no, he lost the coin toss, and he wanted to play inside of the jungle. So he said to um, to Pierce, "Would you mind?" And Pierce said, "No, no, no, I'm not. I'm not compromising. Like you know, we want to play." And Proven says, "Well, look, it's my testimonial. You know, this is the last time." And and Pierce said, "No." No, not at all. So the ref had to intervene. I think it was David Syme. And the ref said, look, look, Stuart, I think you need to step back here. Now, this is David's testimonial. Uh, and he eventually... So that gives you an insight into how seriously Forrest took it. But an amazing memory. And that was that's definitely the most uh, evocative memory of my, my early Celtic supporting years. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned your dad. You should just name-check your dad. I've, I've played five or five with him. Remarkable. Still playing five. Still going. In, in, in seven, at the age of 70. So 71 now. 71, still going, so yeah. incredible. Yeah. And you mentioned, obviously, some, some players in the past. Who would, would you have a Celtic hero when you were doing it? Well, we are talking before uh, we started recording about Paul McStay. And um, I think for um, you know, people of my generation, he was he was a great um, Celtic hero. But um, I always loved Tommy Burns. I thought you know, Tommy's a left footer. Um, you know, I kick with my left foot uh, myself, um, though not to... To, to that level of excellence, but um, he 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 was just a um, a really powerful human being, Tommy. Um, I think probably the time where I was I was most excited about um, watching Celtic was when he was manager, actually as well. And um, when I subsequently went into journalism, um, I met him many times, and he was really kind to me as he was to just about everyone he met. Um, just an extraordinary human being. Um, um, so I, I remember him as a youngster, you know, the red hair, the left foot, um, and then going on to um, discover that he was, um, his character matched his football talent was yeah. was uh, was great. Obviously, you, you don't see Tommy Burns, you don't see Paul McStay. Going back further in Celtic's history, is there someone that, that you would have, you would like to have, have gone back and seen or, or somebody you wished that you'd seen in their time? Yeah, well, I, I guess I'm going to answer the question in a slightly different way because it's not really going back in time, but um, technically the best player I've ever seen in Scottish football was Maravchik. 
Um, I remember seeing one of his earliest appearances and um, it was really quite a subtle thing, but he played a one-two or somebody fired the ball at him for a one-two and he just laid it back into the path exactly, which is quite a hard skill, you know, just to get the pace of a pass right. And I, and I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. And then he did it again and he did that. He did it again. And, and it was really the only thing he did in the game. But I remember coming back and saying to my dad, I said, like, that, that, that was, you, you don't really see that very often. He's, he's one to watch. Um, and then we discovered that um, he was a world-class footballer. Um, people, when they think of Maravchuk, they might remember him trapping the ball with his bum and all that sort of stuff. But I, I remember, the, I'll always think of him as the weight of the pass, mm-hmm. uh, how he could just judge things beautifully and he had those lovely soft feet. Um, so if I could go back in time, um, it would be to see a 25-year-old Lubo Maravchik, I think he was 33 by the time he got to Celtic. Um, I bought the the video at the time of A Gift From God, um, where it showed you these tantalising glimpses of a 25-year-old Maravchik playing for Bastia, I think it was, and, and, and he had the pace and he, he had the guile, he had everything. Uh, I mean, that would just, I would just love to have seen him in action in his absolute prime. Yeah, and, and uh, one of Zinedine Zidane's yeah, of players course. When, when he was younger. Obviously, it's, it's always a difficult one just to, to pin you down for a, a favourite Celtic game. But do you do you have one in particular? I think the one that um, had the most kind of emotional impact on me um, was probably Spartak Moscow in two thousand and seven, which obviously Celtic won in the penalty shootout. And um, I mean, that was just the most exhausting night uh, of football ever. Uh, I, in fact, I remember walking um, walking home after the match um, with the fans and. There was just silence, like people were just so drained emotionally from the game. Um, when I subsubsequently um, wrote the book in, in Nakamura, um, it was quite interesting because at the end of the game, you remember there was a mass pylon in the corner, and there's a great image of it and of Tommy right at the back jumping on top of everybody, and uh, I thought that was a, a amazing image. But in actual fact, Nakamura walked straight off the park after the game, and, and uh, in the dressing room he was in tears. And when the Japanese journalist interviewed him afterwards, he was he was he was emotional because he felt he'd let the team down. Uh, he missed some key chances. I think he did. He missed a penalty as well that night. I think he might have missed a penalty. Um, but he felt that he hadn't played his part in in, in the team's um, victory, even though they got they got through. It didn't matter. You know, he felt personal responsibility, which I thought was an amazing footnote to to that evening. Now we talk about heroes. We talk about players that you maybe have wanted to see. But is there a maybe a much maligned felt? from the past or present that you would maybe like to meet to the defence of? Yeah, it's funny because uh, I always think of names like Carol Muggleton and Wayne Biggins and stuff like that. And I always think, like, were these guys actually as bad as, as we all thought they were? Or did they just kind of have funny names and landed in a, in a poor Celtic era? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I remember Muggleton maybe having an all right career down south. You know, maybe it wasn't that bad. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, and I'm not going to jump to the defence of either of those two. You'll be pleased to hear. But uh, I wouldn't say... Um, my choice of player would be much maligned at all, but I do feel he's underappreciated, so maybe kind of spin it that way, and I would say Aidan McGeady. Um, as a journalist, I covered a lot of Celtic during the Gordon Strachan era, um, and, I, and I thought I thought they were great to watch. They had Nakamura in one wing, they had Aidan in the other, uh, and, and they were they were amazing. Um, Aidan's ball skills were, were, were like nothing I'd really seen before. Um, uh, real world-class feet, um, so quick, um, and he d- developed amazing pace as well. He used to just scream by 
um, defenders and uh, you know it got to the stage where they were double and trebling up on him to try and stop him. Um, very often he used to get to the byline and 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 went to cut it back. Sometimes like the attackers wouldn't have actually kept up with him, so you'd have like Vinny Guru of Hesselink and Scott McDonald still lurking in the edge of the box because he'd actually outpaced them. Um, one of the great myths I think is that he didn't have an end product as well. If you go back and look at his assists. Um, over the course of his Celtic career, it stands up to scrutiny. And most of the time, um, he was he was maybe first or second in the league. Um, for a player that didn't take free kicks or corners, I'd say that was that was pretty good. I, I thought he was a, a fantastically exciting player, and I, I liked him as a guy as well. He was he was quite um, singular um, in his mentality, and I quite liked that. I think when you're you play in the wing for Celtic, it's a lonely position. Yeah. You've got to have something. Um, about you to, to cope with um, 60,000 people breathing down your neck um, and he had that and you know I, I thought uh, I thought he was, a, he was a great Celtic player. That's great Martin, thanks very much for joining us on this week's Celtic View podcast. It's a pleasure, thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Celtic View podcast. You can get in touch with us via email celticview at celticfc.co.uk or through our Twitter feed at Celtic View. And don't forget to pick up your copy of this week's Celtic View, which is available to buy in stores or you can download the digital version. We hope you can join us again for the Celtic View podcast, but until then, hail hail. (laughs) 